Did you ever have a class in school where you were assigned a book to read and then answer some questions about the book? You read the book and then you look at the questions and you think, where was that in the book? So you have to search the book to find the answers. And then you realize, lo and behold, the answers were actually in the readings. Or have you ever tried to fix something by watching a YouTube video? You watch the video once and you think you're set. You're mechanically inclined, so it should be easy. So you start upon the repair job, and then you realize you have to watch the video again. So you do, and you return to the repair job and begin again, only to realize you need to watch the video closer and pay even closer attention. Have you done that? Or have you set out to build some self-assembly of furniture with the provided instructions and think it'll be super easy because you've done it a bunch and the salesperson said it would be easy only to realize you need to pay uh, careful attention to the instructions and read them very slowly because it's not so easy to build as you were led to believe by the salesperson. Has this ever happened to you? Well, understanding the book of 1 John is analogous to the aforementioned, aforementioned situations, whereas the Gospel of John would be the assigned book and 1 John would be the set of assigned questions, or 1 John is the repair job and the Gospel of John is the YouTube video, or 1 John is the furniture project and the Gospel of John is the set of instructions. The two books go together, and in order to understand 1 John, we have to look at the Gospel of John. Because a lot of what he talks about, he'll say in a way that he assumes everybody knows what he's talking about. And, and he, he, he did say it, and it's in the book of 1 John. And there are a few things he says that are not found there. But uh, because of who he is, we know that he learned that teaching from Jesus. In fact, he begins the book by establishing his authority as an apostle, as someone who, who uh, saw Jesus firsthand, right? Uh, that which, we, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word, word of life. So he's, he saw Jesus. He was commissioned by Jesus. He was an apostle. He's actually the apostle, uh, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John the Beloved. All right. Uh, so he establishes apostleship, and he does this because he's writing to a group of people, as we know, who were in a church which is in, in, in the area of Ephesus, who uh, had been scandalized by a schism. And so these, he doesn't say who they are, but apparently some people had left the church and had said that they were from God, that they were children of light, and they had a different message than what John had. So John is writing this letter to assure the people that they are indeed Christians, they are God's children, they are children of light, and to tell them to reaffirm what they heard from the beginning. And that as a child of God, you'll have the correct confession on who Jesus is, and your life will show it. Your life will be characterized by as he writes, walking in the darkness. Excuse me, exactly opposite. Walking in the light. And when John says walking in the light, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a metaphor, right, for how you do life. How you do life. 
uh, what is your life characterized? That's when he says, it's a, it's a Hebrew uh, idiom, meaning that that is what characterizes is your life. All right? And uh, so today we'll look at three things. Uh, the old but new commandment, verses 7 through 8. Dark and light, verses 9 through 11. And then application and warning, which is also verses 9 through 11. So the old but the new commandment, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and, and in you, because the darkness is a passing away and the true light is already shining. So here he uses two completely contradictory terms, old and new, to describe the message. He's saying that it's not a new it's 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 not a new message, it's old, but then he says, but it is new. So so what is he getting at? It's kinda like uh K Star's song, uh Rock and Roll Waltz. It's old and it's new. Okay, so uh you know, uh by definition, old is not new and new's not old. So let's let's look at what he's getting at. Um so first we need to begin with is like is he what commandment is he talking about so he he doesn't tell us what the commandment is until all the way down in chapter 3 verse 23 all right so you have to remember this was a letter read out loud and you can read this letter or excuse me, you can read this uh, this book uh, in about 10 minutes it's it's really not very long in fact i can i can turn it on when i'm leaving to go to work and before I get to work, it's finished. First John is finished, the book. So, so, so keep that in mind. That it was read out loud. And so, you know, in, for our purposes, it seems like forever to get to where the commandment is. But, but in, the, you know, the original listeners, uh, they heard it, uh, you know, in a couple minutes. And so, he, here's the commandment, three twenty-three. And this is the commandment that we believe. Excuse me. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. We believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. So John is telling his listeners, he's telling us, that he's writing us no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. All right? The old commandment is the word that you heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment. And the commandment is, is that we believe in His Son, we believe in Jesus, and that we love one another. All right? So what does He mean by old and new? So He says that He gave it from the beginning, and, he, and, it, and it means two things. It means from when they first heard it, when the gospel was preached, you know, uh, many years before, when they first heard it. it, it can mean that. And it can also mean all the way back to the children of Israel. The commandment was there. All right. And so in, uh, in um, the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6 5, we have the Shema, which is uh, the command, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let me read it to you. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So the commandment is to love God. All right. The old commandment from, from Deuteronomy. And then also in, in Leviticus uh, 19, we're taught that, uh, 1918, uh, we are taught to love our neighbor. Um let me get there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Do you have to do that? Like to find things? Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. So, in the Old Testament, the people of God were commanded to love God and love your neighbor. And then in the Gospels, Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment? And he says to love God and to love your, and to love your neighbor. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So John is referring to that. Uh, John, John is saying that um, it's the old commandment that you've heard. And then in John 13, 34, we hear Jesus talking about the new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. So the commandment's old because it was given to in the Old Testament and, and, and it was given years before. But he's saying the commandment is new because Jesus says this is the new commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus later interprets it and says that by loving God and loving your neighbor, you are fulfilling the whole law. You're doing what the law requires. The Ten Commandments, the first four commandments, as the children's, as we teach our children, the first four commandments teach our duty to God, and the last six commandments are our duty to our fellow man, our duty to our neighbor. And Jesus says that by loving God and by loving our neighbor as ourselves, we are doing that. We are doing that. And... Uh, he is saying that this is a commandment. This is what God requires of us. All right? And, and when we hear the word commandment as Christians, we need to always keep in mind the gospel. We can never set the commandments before the gospel, meaning that, that uh, we do them to earn God's favor. We don't do the commandments to earn God's favor. Jesus fulfilled the commandments so that we might have God's favor. We have God's favor perfectly by believing in Jesus. That's why he says, this is the, in, in, in chapter uh, 3, 23, and this is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. So we're commanded to believe in Jesus. All right. But now, 
as we believe in Jesus that transforms our life. Just as when Jesus came as the true light, He dispelled the darkness, we as God's children of light are used to dispel the darkness. And that's why He says in verse um, verse 8, he, where He says, uh, um, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Alright? One aspect of the commandment being new is the way it's working out. It's a new work that God has done in, 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 in coming uh, in the incarnation and becoming a man to redeem us. He's done a new work. Before he was focused on Israel, now it go, the gospel goes out to the world. And he, and he actually, even through Israel, he was focused on the world. But he, he, he was, uh, Israel was a type, a shadow that pointed to Jesus. All right? Now Jesus has come. And so now his plan is even better. It goes out to the world. So in that aspect, it's new. It's a new work that Jesus has done and he's doing in and through us. And so now let's look at dark and light. Um, verses 9 and, and uh, 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In uh, verse 5, John declared, This is the message we have heard and proclaim, heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. John uses this, he, he likes to use these little uh, reoccurring themes, and, 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 uh, and they're, they're polar opposites. Dark and light, truth and lie, love and hate. And we see here, now he's talking about dark and light. And when you hear that, he talks about... Uh, Whoever says he's in the light, um, when he talks about light, we have to think about think about the Gospel of John. And and what does the Gospel of John uh, say about light and dark? If we look at the Gospel of John, chapter one. It says this. Chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then 9 through 13 is, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. 
He came to his own people and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then 3, 19 uh, through 21, right after the famous John three sixteen, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So he uses this light and dark metaphor to describe what's happened. That Jesus has come and he's the true light. There's no darkness in, in him at all. And he's getting rid of the darkness that had covered the earth. All right, It's the new creation. You know, uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now the true light has come into the world, and it's Jesus. It's a person. It's a person. It's Jesus. And he, he, he's come, and he's getting rid of the darkness. All right? And so his children, believers, are uh, children of light. And they live like him. They live lives of... Uh, characterized by obeying his commands alright and that's why he says um, whoever he still whoever says he's still in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there's no cause for stumbling but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because darkness has blinded him apparently these false teachers were hateful um, uh, hateful towards certain believers, not all believers. Like hateful towards John, you know. Uh, they probably loved their own type, but people who didn't agree with them, they were hateful. And so he was warning them. This is how you know. This is how you know a false shepherd, a false teacher, is their lives. Your their life should be congruent with the message. So the, their lives should be characterized by love. It's not saying they won't sin. He makes it very clear that we are not going to be sinless. Right? Uh, twice, you know, right away, he says that if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Right? And apparently these teachers taught they had no sin. You know, whether it was that, whether it was that they attained a certain level of holiness or maybe they believed there was no such thing as sin because... They taught that Jesus did not come in the flesh. They, have, they may have held a teaching that taught that the flesh didn't matter. So it didn't matter how you live. So they lived very immoral lives. And you meet people like that today. Uh, there's a teaching called antinomianism. It means anti-law. Like the law, like they'll say, like you know, I don't need to obey God's law. Um, and in, in regarding our salvation, you're right. The, the law, us obeying the law does not save us, it does not keep us. But it, as far as like how we are to live as Christians, yeah, that's God's revealed will, will for our life, right? To say, I love my neighbor, well, well, what does that look like? Well, loving my neighbor looks like treating him lawfully, right? 
it means not stealing from him, not stealing his wife, right? Uh, not, not coveting, uh, not lying about him, right? Treat, not slandering him, uh, uh, treating him lawfully. That's, that's God's will for our life. So, as Christians, our life needs to be ca- characterized by love. So, these things in the Ten Commandments can be summarized by loving our neighbor. Right? If we're loving our neighbor, we're going to be looking out for him, uh, caring about his property, caring about uh, his good name, or their good name, his or her, their good name. There's, there's a, uh, a, gen- a neuter, gen- uh, 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 gender neutral g- uh, <laughs> pronoun, because um, I'm down with, I'm down with <laughs> today. I'm dope. I'm fresh. Uh, our lives should be characterized by love. Um, how we practice our Christianity, it does matter. It does. Yeah, we're sinners, and we, we confess our sin, and we should always be ready to repent. Uh, but that's not to be uh, our get-out-of-jail-free card. Right? It's not, it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm a dirty sinner. I practice what I preach. You know, No. We are to want to be like Jesus. And the reason why is because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us and what he did for us. And he continues to do for us. He continues to pray for us, present us before the throne, before his Father. Uh, He sustains us. He upholds us. And we're to do that for others. We're to be like him. Uh, And that's the application. Right, the applications is we're not to be hateful, right? That's one thing to state it negatively. Don't be hateful. Uh, that's bad, right? To to speak in John's language, that's bad, right? That's darkness. Loving your neighbor is good. Hating someone is bad. In fact, Jesus tells us hating is the same as murder, right? Uh, uh, when he uh, is confronting. And, and, and teaching uh, the teachers of the law, he says that you, you know that to hate someone is to murder. And so John, John is affirming that here that someone who hates uh, is not walking in the light, but they are walking in the darkness. And he says that uh, the darkness has blinded their eyes. Uh, in the passage I read in John three, right after. God so loved the world. It's pretty condemning where it says this. It says, um, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out. Uh, Jesus says that those in darkness hate the light. He uses extreme language. And they they hate the light. And, And that may be our experience. People may be hateful to us because we're Christians. But as Christians, we are to be like Christ and love our enemies. Right, Christ didn't 
call down fire from heaven to smite his enemies. Right? That day is coming. That's judgment day. That will come. But right now he's being merciful. And we as his children are to be merciful like him. And we're to forgive those. That's, that how, that's how it works out. That's the application. We forgive as he forgave. And also we repent. If we have hated someone or done something to them, uh, we harm them in any way, we need to repent. That means to confess to them and apologize. Confess to God and confess to them and apologize to them uh, and, and ask for forgiveness. And, and they may or may not give it. You know, it's, it's hard when they don't, for, they, don't, they don't give it. But at the same time, that, that's not up to you. you. You know, they're the only ones who can forgive you. And, and, but God has forgiven you. But, you know, they may hold that against you and there's nothing you can do about it. You can pray for them. But a lot of times there's a lot of power in confessing sin to someone. Like family relationships can be restored when someone just admits they were wrong. You know, someone wants to hear that. You hear that many times. You know, where people say, look, I, I'm not looking for money or anything. I just want to hear someone, you know, admit they were wrong. And, and that's what God would have us do. And that's what we are to do uh, as children of light. So, in conclusion, let's look at Jesus in all of this, okay? Let's, let's look again. Like, let's watch the YouTube video again. Let's reread the book. Let's uh, look at the instructions more carefully. Let's look at John 13, 34, a little closer. 13, 34. You know, in my younger days, I was a lot quicker on my sword drills. I'm just, I'm just losing my fastball. All right. I've lost my fastball. What do you mean, losing? I've given all hope of being cool. 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, and here's the part I, I want you to focus on. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Here's the true new part. God came down and became a man and did what we couldn't do. And that is love God perfectly and love his neighbor as himself. He did this for us. Up to that point, it hadn't been done. Up to the, the up to the uh, the incarnation, uh, it it had not been done. Is that the right word? Uh, yeah. Up until Jesus became a man, God becoming incarnate, no one had done that. And this is what's new. He's saying, "Just as I have done for you." In Jesus. We see everything, all right? Uh, how did Jesus love us? He loved us entirely. Jesus fulfilled the whole law of God on our behalf. Where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded and, he, and earned eternal life in paradise for us. Where Israel broke covenant, Jesus kept it, inherited its blessings, giving them to us, and taking the curses upon himself on the accursed tree, the cross. He was rich, but became poor for our sakes. He was righteous and sinless, but became sin for us and gave us his righteousness. 
He was hated and murdered for our sake. He was lied about for our sake. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death and conquered death for us. Now, because His Spirit is now in us, because we believe in Him, we can love this way. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us and sending your Son, Jesus, to save us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have not lost one soul that the Father has given you. Thank you, Spirit, for giving us life. Eyes to see with, ears to hear with, hearts to believe with. Now may you be glorified in our lives. May we love one another that the world may know that we are your disciples and that they may see and come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.